When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi. <laughs> we are currently sitting on the ground of our hotel room in Scottsdale, Arizona, where we are at the She Podcast Conference. Excuse me, She Podcast Live Conference. <laughs> um, and you are getting a... Well, by the time you're hearing this, we will no longer be at no. the She Podcast Conference. But the point is, you are about to hear a very special episode of Sleepover Cinema. In fact, you are about to hear our very first ever live recorded before an audience episode. Um, Audrey was not nervous. I don't know why. I was. <laughs> I really don't know why I wasn't. Audrey had no tears left to cry after all the things she's been through lately. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm hardened at this point. She's hardened from public uh, public appearances, for sure. <laughs> um, but we covered Hocus Pocus. It was really fun. And we hope you enjoy it. It's definitely going to be a little bit different than things normally are from us. Um, namely, that I'm terrified <laughs> and that it's very echoey. But we think you'll enjoy it because, you know, you've gotten to know us. Yeah. You want to hear us do hard things. And um, you're going to be able to tell the difference, though, for sure. <laughs> you're going to be able to tell. Yeah, I like say multiple words that are like not English it's, words. I can't even remember I what said, you did. I said plop at one point when I was trying to say plot. <laughs> so like that's a good litmus test. I did plop not hear is that. a word, yeah. but not the word I meant to use. Anyway, happy Halloween. This is a festive episode as well. Um, and, you know, if you hear us do this episode and you're like, I want them to come and do a live episode where I live or something, no promises. However, <laughs> would love to if you uh, fund it. If you yeah, want to, if you have like it. a generous sponsor who wants to fund that, we would love to do it. But doing some sort of live event with listeners of the show would very fun. Obviously, be great to do outside of this conference as well. So, anyway, we'll stop talking. Enjoy the episode. Enjoy. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls and gays of the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 1993's Hocus Pocus. Woo! Very fun, very fun. Um, so now, at this point in our show, we always, you know, insert a little clip of the trailer, but in this case, we get to watch it, which is fun. So here we go. We're about yes. to watch it. Jump back. Twist the bones and bend the back. Back in 1693, the people of Salem, Massachusetts, which is, thought they got rid of the Sanderson sisters for good. years later it's halloween eve and they're back we won't go again we won't go again <laughs> that was fun that was fun yeah so hi everyone um we are so happy to be here at the she podcast live conference today How, how's your day been good everyone? good yeah <laughs> cool so before we get into everything, we just wanted to give like a smidge of context as to who we are and what we're doing. Um, so I'm Hannah. I'm a podcast producer, musician, and writer based in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I'm the older sister, and I'm also a Leo. 
Now that yes. now we got that out of the way, um, I'm Audrey. I'm the younger sister, and I'm a Cancer, and um, I am a filmmaker and an editor. And we just kind of do this together. Which yeah, is we've very been fun. we've been a podcast together for over a year. We just celebrated one year, um, and it's been thanks. Uh, and it's been a great ride so far. So for the She Podcast Conference, we wanted something spooky. We wanted something early '90s. We wanted to get into it. So that's what we're going to do this evening. You know, get cozy, have some snacks, just listen to us uh, do our thing. Thank you for being here. Yeah. So, okay, are we ready to get into the facts? Yeah, let's get in. Okay. Let's dive in. So, Hocus Pocus was released on July 16th, 1993. Yeah, so you're thinking to yourself, why? July. Why July? Why? This is why. So, <laughs> the film was released in July because apparently they like, you know, like kids are out for school. So, like, they wanted yeah. the kids to come see it. And also, controversially, Disney was releasing Nightmare Before Christmas that. That Halloween. Um, so they gave Bette Midler the short sell. Basically, they basically. threw Bette Midler under the bus, which is unforgivable, but they did it. Well, they with, gave her a shot, you know, that's because true. if you're going to put Nightmare, what is it again? Nightmare, Nightmare Before, Before Christmas, Christmas versus Hocus Pocus, it's a little unfair. You can't do both. So I understand. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So also, Hocus Pocus was directed by the man, the myth, the legend, Kenny Ortega, the man behind the High School Musical franchise, to which we are forever grateful. Uh, he is also known for having directed uh, Michael Jackson's This Is It, a, a weirdly large amount of the of Gilmore Girls episodes. I didn't know that. Um, Cheetah Girls 2, Newsies, and music videos for Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, as well as the Pointer Sisters, I'm so excited. Who knew? Not me. Living legend. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, also the Rocky Horror with Laverne Cox. Nice. Yeah. Among many other things. Um, what versatility. I know. Uh, so <laughs> also, this is our first live episode ever, so you're like really in it with us right now. So yeah. thank you again for being here. <laughs> so Hocus Pocus was produced by David Kirshner and when I tell you the amount of Curious George content this man <laughs> has turned out over the past 10 years it was like straight Curious George down the IMDb he page. must really be invested he, must really, <laughs> he really cares care. about Curious George I'm not sure why um, <laughs> but at the time of Hocus Pocus he was mostly producing things kind of in this genre so Bride of Chucky the Flintstones live action movie which is a movie that like haunts my unconscious I haven't seen it in like a zillion years but I know it has um John Goodman yeah. in it, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's like a creepy live action remake in my mind. Yeah, they tried. Yeah. It was an era for that kind of thing. The yeah. live action, like Scooby-Doo, you know. Yeah. Everybody knows that Scooby-Doo live action movie. Yeah. The two. Right. Um, and this guy also produced the Addams Family 90s series and Pirates of Dark Water, which I don't know what that is, but he did a lot of it. So I put <laughs> it on right. here. Cool. And before that, he produced a ton of TV. And then the other producer we have is Stephen Haft, who produced Mad TV from 1995 to 2008, and also Dead Poets Society, Emma, Tigerland. And apparently this man is in the mix of Hocus Pocus 2, which is yeah. filming now, coincidentally. So we have that coming up in life, which is exciting. He's, he's got the, like, serious film side oh, yeah. here. Absolutely. Which kind of makes sense. Yeah. Hocus Pocus um, is then, respected like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the story of Hocus Pocus was uh, written by David Kirshner again, who we just talked about, and Mick Garris. And now Mick Garris is this guy who really considers himself to be like an authority on horror movies. I don't know if anyone knows who this man is, but um, he worked on Masters of Horror, Fear Itself, She Wolf of London, and the show Amazing Stories. And he also directed lots of like kind of goofy horror adjacent projects and the Stephen King miniseries, The Stand. And he just loves horror clearly. And this movie's like not quite there. No, I <laughs> wouldn't say it's on the Stephen King level. Yeah, I don't know. think so. But you know, the interest was there. So, um, and then the screenplay was with, written by Mick and Neil Cuthbert who wrote Return of the Swamp Thing. And that's pretty much it. So <laughs> he made some good contributions though, okay? Okay, Audrey. 
All right, so now I'm gonna read the plot synopsis in case you don't know, which I'm sure most of the people in this room do know, but here it is. 300 years have passed since the Sanderson sisters were executed for practicing dark witchcraft, returning to life thanks to a combination of a spell spoken before their demise and the accidental actions of Max, the new kid in town. The sisters have but one night to secure their continuing existence. A, a bomb plops. Yeah. Plot if, if you ever happen to listen to our show, I always read the plot synopsis and they're usually like terrible. They're normally very, very bad. Like even the ones um, that they use, like officially. Yes. So that one, not bad. Not bad. That one I thought was strong. Yeah. Um, and we always read the taglines for the movies. And sometimes there's a bunch of options. They'll have like six promotional options. This one just has one. They were very sure of themselves here. Yes. And it is. It's just a bunch of hocus pocus. Snappy. That's good. Also, it's a line in the movie, I yeah. think. Yes, it yeah. is. It's Max. I like it's that. Like, it's all just a bunch of hocus pocus. Yeah. When he said yeah. that, I was like, hey. I said it. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now we're getting into the cast here. So it goes without saying. We have Bette Midler as Winifred in this movie. You know, an iconic role, an iconic moment. But when she was doing this movie, she was already an Academy Award winner, but she's a grand dame of the stage and screen. She is best known for being in, obviously, Gypsy as Mama Rose, but as far as movies go, she's best known for being in First Wives Club, Hocus Pocus, uh, Ruthless People, and Beaches. And, okay, does anyone know about the Bet TV show? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I didn't know about this, but apparently she had, like, a sitcom that was, like, based on her life or, like, loosely based around her actual personhood, but it only lasted a season, so sad for Bet. I guess the people, <laughs> the people do not need more Bette Midler, which I disagree. I know. Maybe too. it just wasn't the right time. Yeah. I think she could do it now, though. She yeah, could, that would be This could be, a, not that we need more reboots. We don't. But <laughs> Bet. But Maybe. <laughs> um, and uh, she also was in Coastal Elites, which was the weird like quarantine show. Did anyone watch that show? It was like it was like a bunch of really big name actors delivering monologues, like basically to their webcams. Right. But it was like very timely. It's like so timely that it's the sort of thing you look back on it, like, like even what? three months later, and you're like, I can't do it. Like this it's is... so painful. Uh, yeah. It was a show like that. But you know, she Yikes. did a good job from what I've seen of it. <laughs> Next up, we have Sarah Jessica Parker playing Sarah. Um, obviously, <laughs> wow. Sarah, I know. Sarah. I know. I thought about that, but I, I don't. I think it was actually a coincidence. Um, but obviously we know her from Sex and the City. She's also known for being in The Family Stone, Divorce, First Wives Club. And I didn't know that she was rusty and footloose, but yeah. she was. So mm -hmm. good for her. Child <laughs> for actress her. who's made it this far. Um, and then we have Kathy Najimi as Mary, and she's best known as uh, having been in Sister Act 1 and 2. She was also Peggy Hill for all of King of the Hill, which I thought was cool. That and, is cool. Yeah, and she was also in the show Veronica's Closet. Underrated. Yes. Underrated. Yeah. Being a voice actor, you know. Yeah. You don't tend to get the credit you deserve. <laughs> no. No. And then we have uh, Omri Katz as Max, who seems to have basically stopped acting after uh, exiting childhood, which good Probably, for him? Yeah, honestly. I never know how to react when that happens. Like, is that because something good happened or something bad happened? Like, you never really it's know. It's different for everyone, I guess. Yeah. But you know what I heard recently is that Leonardo DiCaprio was potentially going to play Max, but then he was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, well, apparently he turned it down because of what's eating Gilbert Grape was happening at the same time. He had already shot it at the time, but he had the hype. Oh. He had the hype. Okay. And then he was, I think it was just probably not like tonally right, right. in his career. Right. I could see that. Well, it's also funny because when I f watched Hocus Pocus last week at the v in like the very first scene when it's Thackeray pre-turning into a cat, I like thought it was Leonardo DiCaprio for the first five seconds. Mm -hmm. So interesting. They were that, looking for someone that like look that. look was in the, in the mix at the time, clearly. It's a lot of just, a, it's a lot just about the hair though. Like if you look at top right, like, yeah, that was the hair. That was the look. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then next up we have Thora Birch as Danny, who was the younger sister. Um, 
she played Kevin Spacey's daughter in American Beauty. Hate to see Yikes. it. However, it's true. Uh, she was also Love Enid. Her, though. Yeah, she's good. <laughs> she was Enid in Ghost World. She was Sally in Patriot Games. She was recently in The Walking Dead. And she was in 36-ish episodes of Day by Day before Hocus Pocus. So <laughs> she's been acting for a very, very long time. And then last but not least, we have Vanessa Shaw as Allison, the uh, girlfriend or like the hopeful girlfriend. Um, and she's best <laughs> hopeful. Known. She's not hoping to be the girlfriend. Max is hoping that she to will be, be the, the boyfriend. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, and she's best known for being in Eyes Wide Shut, The Hills Have Eyes, 310 to Yuma. And that's basically it. So this happens a lot with these movies. Like the like the youngest actors like don't have as much of a body of work or as they the adults. Quit but or whatever makes sense if you think about it. So now we're gonna get into the numbers. Ooh. Um, so the budget for Hocus Pocus was twenty eight million dollars, approximately. Um, on box office opening weekend, it made $8,125,471. million one hundred twenty five thousand four hundred seventy one dollars. Um, that's not probably as good as they had hoped. Right. But... Um, it's not the biggest flop we've seen. No, not at all. Not the biggest flop. <laughs> um, not even close. And just stay tuned because... Well, It's yeah. not actually a flop. Right, but it's actually not that good either. The overall worldwide gross is 39514713 So, $28 million budget, $39 million worldwide gross. That's not great for Disney. If I guess not. It's like kind of not. But like the cult following clearly is doing something because they wouldn't be making a sequel if it wasn't yeah. for that. Yeah, I think it's definitely like a grower. Yes. For sure. Yes. Mm? Yeah. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about how it was received critically. Um, there's a 38% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Ew. Boo. Boo. I had not seen that. Oh, God. Okay. So the critical consensus, yeah, literally, was um, harmlessly hokey, yet never much more than mediocre. Hocus Pocus is a muddled family-friendly effort that fails to live up to the talents of its impressive cast. Sad. Truly sad. Wow. Um, Roger Ebert, the infamous film critic, gave it one star. One. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> um, and that sucks because actually I, I kind of, I had like a bad taste in my mouth about Roger Ebert. And then as, when we started this show, I started reading more of his reviews just to see what he was saying at the time. And a lot of them I do agree with. Yeah. So this... This one didn't, oh, didn't make it. Okay. No. But do you want me to read these yeah. excerpts? Okay. So um, this is an excerpt from Roger Ebert's review. <laughs> Just prepare yourself. Just go with it. Okay. Hocus Pocus is a film desperately in need of self-discipline. It's one of those... Oh. It's, <laughs> it's one of those projects where you imagine every where you imagine everyone laughing and applauding each other after every scene because they're so convinced they're so wild and crazy, you guys. But watching the movie is like attending a party you weren't invited to and where you don't know anybody and they're all in on a joke but won't explain it to you. One of the film's many problems... Okay, this is controversial to me. One of the film's many problems... Of the many problems. The greatest may be that all three witches are thoroughly unpleasant. They're witches. They don't have personalities. They don't have personalities. They have behavior patterns and decibel levels. A good movie. <laughs> hateful. Hateful. A good movie inspires the audience to subconsciously ask, give me more. The witches in this one inspired my silent cry, get me out of here. So All Roger right. Ebert was not feeling spooky. I mean, it is a kid's movie. It's like... Is it really for Roger Ebert? It's not for him. We ask this question a lot. Um, <laughs> the, a lot of times the critic reviews are from middle-aged men and we're reviewing like Aquamarine. So it's yeah. like, maybe don't watch it. I, it's like not for you. Um, but, yeah. it, you know. Um, and then the audience score, this is some justice served, is 71%. So huge jump um, from critic Yay. score. This happens a lot with the movies we cover too. There's normally a very wide gulf between critic consensus yeah. and audience score. And we definitely dissect the reasons for that sort yes. of thing in the show, in every episode in different ways. Um, 
but we've got some various audience opinions. Um, are these from Rotten Tomatoes? Yes. Okay. So the first one is cheesy pantomime, high camp, but I like how the characters roll with it. You can see why this became a holiday classic. Don't expect a quality plot, just fun acting. <laughs> Um, somebody else says, the perfect Halloween movie, spooky, atmospheric, both fun and funny. And then our third anonymous audience member says, I still have a crush on Sarah Jessica Parker after this. Hocus Pocus has a special place in my heart. As a kid, not only was I terrified of the witches, but I also had a crush on one of them. With my recent rewatch, I had just as much fun as I did when I was a kid. The Sanderson sisters were the perfect trio of witches. Hearing Winifred screech, sisters, brings back all the nostalgic memories. So the audience loved it and deserved, honestly, in my opinion. So, okay, now normally around this time we talk about what was going on culturally in the moment that the movie came out. So we're going back in the time machine to 1993 for this moment right now. So yes. in 1993, the biggest movies uh, at the time were Jurassic Park, Mrs. Doubtfire, The Firm, The Fugitive, Sleepless in Seattle, and Schindler's List. So there was a lot happening. There's a lot going on there. Lots of mainstays came out in 1993, including Hocus Pocus. Thank you very much. Um, the top songs of the year included I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Wow. A moment. Big year. I Will Do Anything for Love by Meatloaf, LOL. Uh, <laughs> I Can't Help Falling in Love by UB40 and Creep by Radiohead. Clinton was sworn in this year. Uh, the first Got Milk ad aired in 1993. Haunting all of us in public school cafeterias for decades. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, also, the Michael Jackson Super Bowl performance was this year. And grunge rock was, like, really, really having its moment in this year. So, like, um, In Utero came out this year. A bunch of really big grunge rock albums came out in 93. And the fashion at the time is kind of where it's ending up now. Oh, yeah. So... The 30-year cycle is it, upon us, and it's very similar to how it is now. Um, what? What? Chokers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Chokers. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Absolutely. So now we normally talk about childhood recollections of this movie or like thing, like preconceived notions yeah. we had going into our rewatch. What do you have on this? Well, this is kind of scary for you. Yes. Because normally, obviously, we don't have an audience when we record this. So sometimes one of us is like admitting to have never seen an incredibly like loved yeah. film. And this is... I didn't see this until last week ever uh, in my life. I don't know how... But it's true. So all of my takes are incredibly fresh. So that'll be an right. interesting ride for everyone here. Yeah. Um, and then I, it's funny. A lot of times I can't remember when I saw something for the first time, but I'm, I probably saw it on Disney Channel mm -hmm. um, or like at a friend's house or something um, because I could remember when I rewatched it, I remembered like certain scenes. So I know I had seen it before and then I rewatch it kind of every year in more recent mm -hmm. history because my roommate um, loves it. So we always watch it like in October. But yeah, so it's like one of those movies where we don't have a ton of childhood things to no. go off of. But I remember seeing images of the Sanderson sisters and being yeah. like, Who? what is that? Yeah. Like, I want to see that, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess I have a couple preconceived notions. One of them is that Audrey and I have a... Uh, <laughs> hobby that neither of us knew the other one had, which is that we're both really into like Disney theme park history videos. What a thing to admit. I know. Damn. I'm literally doing it like in all these performances. God. Uh, but great. it's true. And we somehow connected the dots like maybe a year ago. And I feel like for whatever reason, the Hocus Pocus sisters are like really featured in Disney Halloween things like in the park. So that's yeah. one thing. Oh, makes sense. And I also know that drag queens tend to love Hocus Pocus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's Bette Midler. Right. Of course. Exactly. So yeah. that's kind of what I had going into it. Um, but in terms of our love for Halloween things in general, we're both kind of scaredy cats. Yeah. Like, I'm really trying to grow, though. <laughs> I really am. Like, one time, um, senior year of high school, like, I tried to go to a haunted house because I was forced to go because mm -hmm. I had a, access to a minivan <laughs> that I could drive. <laughs> 
And so everybody actually showed up. Hannah was already in college. Yeah. But um, so she wasn't there for my traumatizing I, and experience. And trust, I wish I was there for yeah. what she's about but to say. But they all showed up in my house and were like, we're going. <laughs> they like made me drive. Yeah. And so we are from Ohio. So the, the haunted houses in haunted- Ohio are in the middle of nowhere in a cornfield. Like it's bad. It's if you are scared, if you are a scaredy cat, you might die. Like it's yes, it's bad. So I showed up knowing I was gonna hate it, knowing I wouldn't even last. So we get in the line, and I had never been to a haunted house, so I didn't know what to expect. And it was one of those ones where the people dressed up will just run at you out of nowhere. Like we were in line to get tickets. A man with a chainsaw like ran up on me and I immediately lost my shit. Like it was like over. I was crying. I was like, I'm going back to the minivan. Like it's over. Yep. So that, yeah. And then didn't you but watch Titanic up. in the minivan with a random yeah. guy? I, I, don't, I can't even explain that one. <laughs> this other kid from my high school was also scared. And for some reason he decided he was going to try to have us watch Titanic <laughs> in the minivan. Extremely irrelevant story, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, my only haunted house experience is that when I was a freshman at NYU, like the only things I would really ever go super hard for were again with drag queens, like drag race related events. And there was a drag race haunted house in Manhattan. That's good. That's and, potent. And I went to it. And it's the only haunted house I've ever been in. But it was and it was really scary. But also it was like, okay, like Courtney Act is standing right there. Like, like what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, it was like scary from like the starstruck perspective and the they're covered in blood and they're going to stab me perspective. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind Ooh. of, I know. <laughs> Interesting crossover there. I know. It, it was kind of smart though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, we've always loved dressing up. Obviously. What? We've always loved dressing up. Like that oh, part yeah. of it, never an issue. Yeah, that has stayed true. Also, the previous Halloween, I went to a different drag race event where I saw Shangela break her leg on stage. So, yeah, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of drag race related Halloween things in my mind. Yes. Yeah. Um, How it should be. Anything else we have about our our preconceived <sighs> notions before we just honestly, get into I think. It? I think we should just keep on trucking. Okay. So we theoretically would take our little break right now, but we're doing this in real life. <laughs> so we're not taking our little break right now. Um, but but we are literally, I mean, I have a slide for it. Yes. So we got to switch the slide, obviously. So, so do you want to? Okay. You want to say, we'll be right back. Yeah. Okay. We'll do this for the edit. <laughs> we'll be right back. There we go. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. And now we're back. And we are getting into our evaluation categories for Hocus Pocus. So this is how we normally do this. We go through and we say, what was good? What was bad? What has aged poorly? And is it still worth watching today? So right. um, let's get into it. Yeah. So let's start with the good stuff. Let's start with the good stuff. So... Um, growing up, I was a dancer and we did theater and like just tons of musicals in our, like currently we're actually doing all movie musicals, um, on the show. And so because of that, I've really been thinking about, um, when a director, when you can tell that a director understands movement and rhythm Mm -hmm. versus having absolutely no clue. (laughs) And like recently we did, um, 2004, 
four? I don't know, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, Four, 2004 right? Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. yeah, and like that is an example of a film where like the director has no clue how to edit with music, yes. like at all. Um, but this is not the case because the director, Kenny Ortega, is a choreographer. Right. So that bleeds into everything, the editing, the blocking, you know, like the camera movement. Mm -hmm. And so I was really appreciating that after having this like drought of directors who don't. <laughs> understand yes like why hire them for a music like this isn't a musical but there is there's a lot of music in it mm -hmm. um and so. it requires like a similar suspension of disbelief I yeah feel. so yeah. it's similar yeah <laughs> um of course i absolutely must address the sarah jessica parker wig directly after they are de-aged okay for some reason after that it gets more, it gets less curly. I don't know why, mm -hmm. but right after they are de-aged, it's perfect. <laughs> it's so good. Um, I love when Thora Birch's character says, um, the weirdos are out. Yeah. I don't know why. I just really enjoy that line. Um, and also, can we just talk about her lipstick situation? Yes. In the, the moment. Like, she's she's kind of giving it to us. She kind of <laughs> is. Like, um, She's just, her like super bright blue eyes. It's very striking. Yes. Um, so I, I enjoyed that and that the fact that they gave it to her like as a little kid, you know? Yeah. Um, I found that in general, there's great casting and chemistry here, mm -hmm. um, especially with the witches. And like, I was watching a behind the scenes thing. Um, well, I forget the name of the actress, the, the one that's less famous than the other two. Kathy Najimi? Kathy. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she was talking about how she was such a huge Bette Midler fan that, like, she literally used to write letters to Bette Midler, <laughs> put them on her doorstep about, like, when she was a kid, about how much she loved her and she wanted to be an actress, she wanted to be on Broadway, blah, blah, blah. And she said that she really channeled um, her fear of acting <laughs> next to Bette Midler as, as, like, a motivator to, mm -hmm. like, match her level, kind of. But yeah. she said she was, like, actually terrified. I mean, that would be scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's cool. And then the guy who plays the devil, like, he has, like, a, a short... Gary Marshall. Yeah, okay. Oh, you sorry, just, I spoiled it. I'm sorry. She okay. just stole my point. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah, it's Gary Marshall, and Gary Marshall is uh, the director of Princess Diaries, and he's, yes. he's had a... He had... I think he passed. Yeah, right? yeah. legend. He had a really illustrious career, even in like the content that we like to cover. So mm -hmm. when I saw his face, I was like, oh, there he is. Grandpa, he's here. Yeah. And then I was also loving the fact that the I put a spell on you number is just like a pseudo drag performance. Yes. I know we keep talking about drag, but like it actually is very relevant yes. here, I feel. And it was blocked that way, and it just, like, gave me that. It was, like, on a stage. Yes. Like, they just did it the way they knew they could slay it, yeah. for sure. That, those, are, those are my main appreciations. Okay, okay. So my main appreciations are, I love that the actual premise of this movie is that it's basically an I don't believe in Santa type thing. Yeah, but for Where Halloween. Like, all this Halloween stuff is so <laughs> wrong. Like, I just love that you know that the point of the movie, like, in so many ways is, like, to just, like, dunk on this 14-year-old and to, like, prove to him that Halloween is, like, real, which yeah. isn't even a genre. Like, this is not, a, yeah. Yeah. It's not very common, like, as a storyline yeah. for Halloween. But one thing that we really love is, like, when stuff in I like it when movies are simple. I like it when they make it obvious what what's the journey we're going on. And that's another one of the notes I had, which is I love how they're like, it's all got to happen on Halloween night because we're not going to survive if we can't get the book back by the end of Halloween. It's just laid out before you so simply, you know, when, yeah. when everything will be tied up. I just, I'd like to be held in such a way. And I felt very held by this yeah. movie in that way. Yeah, I feel like when, because uh, like, you study screenwriting or playwriting or whatever. And, you know, when you can tell where it's going to go and yeah. it's very clear, there's something satisfying about yeah. that. Yeah, it's like the concept of, like, the audience needs to know when they can go home. Yeah. Like, that's, that's this movie lets us know when we can go home. <laughs> um, so, love that about it. Good screenplay. Um, I also love that there's so much in this movie. Like, we love 
uh, fish out of water type movies. So like Aquamarine, obviously. Uh, we talk about Aquamarine a lot. We talk about uh, it way too much, actually. <laughs> um, Elf, like big, th- those sort of movies. And there's so much of this movie that's just like, what's a bus? Ooh, like people like not knowing like basic things. Yeah. But then making it so campy that it's like pantomime borderline. Yeah. Um, I really loved that about it. Um, I was pretty impressed by the cat CGI. <laughs> Even though it's really scary, yeah. I was like, this is better than it's I thought. It's not too bad. 93. Yeah. And um, yeah. the only thing I noticed about it is just that the kind of like the lighting of it is wrong yes. in most shots. Yeah. Like the cat is too light for the shot. Like it's yeah. like, it, there's that. But yeah. still, I, I'm not going to critique it too hard. Yeah. And <laughs> fun fact about that cat, a lot of it was CGI, but I guess that they ultimately used the animatronic in Sabrina with Melissa Joan Hart. So it got repurposed in a very efficient way, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. Like who hooked them up? Like that's um, what I want to know. Probably the creator of the cat animatronic. <laughs> He's like going around He's Hollywood like, like peddling his this? wares. <laughs> like he wants this Please cat. Please take this off my hands. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> Okay, and then what else do I have? I mean, honestly, for good things, I think the thing that got me the most too was the really good jump scare. The part where the the little girl, uh, Danny, gets like kidnapped by the witches oh, and Sarah yeah. like jumps out of the bed. I was like, okay, the people making this movie know how to make it scary. They're just not making it scary because yeah. that jump scare really got me. Yeah. I have to say. Oh, it got you. Oh, it got me. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, it got me. It fully got me. Um, so there's many, and obviously it's a great movie. Yeah. So now we have to go into the nitpicking part. So yeah. let's talk about <laughs> the things that were not so good. You know, I actually didn't have much here because like when you're when we're covering a movie that has like political or real life implications, it's like a little bit easier to understand how it's aged or things that are questionable about it. But this one is so fantastical yeah. that it's like a little bit harder to Yeah, we're like entering reach zone. Yeah, like currently. this is like reach zone. Don't yeah. worry guys. Um but the like Disneyfication of witches is interesting. Yeah. Um, because it is based on the Salem witch trials. Like the Sanderson sisters, not real, but yes. the the event is real. And so the fact that Disney felt like, I was just surprised thinking about it that they felt they could make. I mean, there is a full execution scene. Yeah. You just see the feet. You just don't see, yeah. Still, yeah. It's like not lighthearted at all. No. Um, and uh, I know there's like a lot of a lot of people in this country who wouldn't be down to let their kids like I remember when we were kids a lot of um, or maybe not a lot but some of our friends' parents wouldn't let them watch like Harry Potter mm-hmm. or like SpongeBob or like that doesn't do with witchcraft <laughs> but you know um, just various things for that reason like they didn't want them to see witchcraft so the fact that Disney released this huge movie about actual witches yeah. um, was interesting I to me. I agree. Um, but it seems that people all around like loved it, but I was wondering if anybody like objected to it ideologically. I mean, even I, I went all the way to common sense reviews for this one because I was curious and really I didn't see anything That's too scalding. Huh. I thought there would be more, but there really wasn't. Yeah, because we've seen way worse for less. Yes. Less than actual witchcraft yeah yes it is true interesting um uh i also felt that there are some pacing issues in this Mm -hmm. um movie it has like the false ending of the witches being burnt which i have qualms about that okay um yeah so we've got the false ending and then you kind of think it's over and then you find out just kidding they're still here um but after that moment, there's still like 30 minutes left of the movie. Mm-hmm. And my brain kept telling me, it's almost over. It's almost over. It's almost <laughs> over. But then it wasn't. Um, I don't know. Well, can I tag in on yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of felt the same way. But the reason why they think that the battle is over is because they like shove the witches in an incinerator in the high school. However, 
Is it not the number one rule of witches that you can't burn witches? Like, literally. And I have double qualms with it because in the beginning, Allison, the uh, love interest, is like, my mom used to run the witch museum. I know everything about witches. But then she's the one who's like, they're dead now. We burned them. I'm like, Allison, like, you should know better. Allison, you're you're lying. Like, Allison, where did it go? Where's where did the your knowledge, knowledge? go? <laughs> yeah. Like... And, she really? and, and then she's the one who like opens the book, even though Thackeray told them not yeah. to open the book. And it felt, okay, this is reach for real reach, but very forbidden fruit to me. Like it was giving me that sort of vibe. Well, that is interesting too, because we've got this whole like under, it's not even underlying, this whole theme of virginity in Hocus Pocus. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. What? <laughs> like if you are a five-year-old watching this or even yeah. like, you know, you you could be like 12, 13, depending on your environment growing up. Like you hear the word Virginia, you're like, what? Right. I don't know what they're talking about. Then you go up to your parents and you're like, mom, what's virginity? Yeah. And they'll sell you and it's awkward for everyone. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. Like, <laughs> that is funny. Like she's opening, it's like, like Adam and Eve vibes. Yes, yes. Oh. that's my reach. That's my reach. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, dang. Do you True. have anything else under bad? Um... The ending? It's something. <laughs> when they are outside the pearly gates, <laughs> literally. I literally wrote down in all caps, not the sister and not the cheek kiss. Because it was so unsettling to me. <laughs> like the sister comes back from the grave and they're like happy to be back together. Mm -hmm. And then the, the cat's the guy again, but he kisses the girl who's like a kid. And oh, well, aren't they siblings? No, no, like he- Oh, you're talking about the like zombie dude? No. Oh. Thackeray, who was once the cat. <laughs> Why is his name Thackeray? Thackeray Binks, right? That's his name? Yeah. He goes over to Danny because she's sad that he's no longer an immortal cat. Oh, and right, is right. Like, like kisses her on the cheek and is like, I'll always be with you, like in spirit. Yeah, and she's like, okay, cool. Yeah. I gotta yeah. say, this all the smushed cat imagery has to have disturbed some children. That's <laughs> all I have to say. There's a lot of smushed cat in this movie. Yeah, that's sad. And then I when he reinflates. Yeah, I feel like, well, when you think about this movie, you don't think about any of the stuff we just said. Yeah. <laughs> but it's no. totally there on rewatch. You're like, wait, what? Yes. Huh. For me. I just, okay, so because I had never seen this movie until last week, when I read all of the context for it, it always seemed like it was centrally the story of these witches, but it's actually about Max, which yeah. I was really surprised by because all of the synopses of the movie are like, these sisters have one night to do this <laughs> thing. But then it's actually like, Max wants a girlfriend and doesn't believe in Halloween. Yeah, and then like, these sick witches are here, but they're like not they're even like the, main not the main character. Like, I just yeah. wanted, I wanted it to be like an hour and a half of slapstick from them. And I would have been happy with that. Right. And just going back to the good thing for one second, I want to know how they came up with all of those like incredibly specific like march things that they do and like little yeah. rhythmic things. Yeah. Uh, I was impressed with those characterizations. And I'm wondering if they made them all up or like they if the director did. gave it to them. I mean, yeah, potentially. He, he yeah. probably was like, you need something, yeah. you know? Yeah, they did. There's a it, similar thing in High School Musical too. Don't, don't talk. About we don't have to talk about Please it. Don't. But if you know, you know. There's a similar thing in High School Musical too. <laughs> um, I want to know why Sarah Jessica Parker gets to be hot in this movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad she is. Anybody could like they all could have been hot witches. Yeah. However, we only get one. Just one. <laughs> I just wonder about that. Yeah. Um, and then this is just kind of a she random. She got the smoky eye and the like. The, the like, like truly like snatch. Like it was happening yeah. for her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. And also, I thought the whole fiasco with like Max drinking the potion and then the potion like falling through, like tumbling through the sky in like a very Emperor's New Groove esque way <laughs> was uh seemed like it should have been in a cartoon and not in a live action movie. But again. It's all right. This movie is the way it, it is. It is cartoony. Yeah. They're larger than life. Yes. You know? Okay. So there's nothing actually problematic in Hocus Pocus. No. But we have some thoughts. I mean, it's a very white movie. Other than there's that. There's that. But yeah. as far as like the plot itself, not really. Not it's really. It's very fantastical. Yes. Um, but what do you have in this category? Do you have anything? Um, well, I kind of already mentioned them. Yeah, no, not I put them more in the like worse, I guess, category than 
problematic because it's there's nothing really to take strong issue with. Yeah, I guess that's true. I think I think really for me, just I really was disappointed that Max was the main character. Yeah, and it's very fitting for this. Uh, this uh, I know, right? It kind of is. <laughs> um, this conference, like we didn't want to see the boy. Like, yeah, we didn't want it. well, and and the thing that I thought was interesting about that choice too is that so. In the movie, there's like this running theme of like allegiance to your sister. And the main thing is that it's like in the beginning, Max like thinks his sister is just like annoying and stupid and like doesn't want to help her like have a good Halloween or whatever. Yeah, like is um, it hard for you, Max? Yeah. Is it hard for you to go trick or treat? He has to play no. um, drums alone in his room on Halloween <laughs> instead of take his sister trick or treating. It's yeah. a very high priority. It's also funny how they give it the like. Um, West Coast, East Coast dichotomy. Like why? Like why like is that? He's from the, He's like a groovy dude from yeah. the West Coast. Yeah. Like he can't get with Halloween. People celebrate Halloween on the West yeah. Coast. Like, <laughs> what's the problem? Yeah. Um, he's like wearing the tie dye. Shirt. I know the tie dye. Like the tie dye is it and, like, for him. We didn't even touch on the bullies. Oh, I'm like, gonna touch oh, on the bullies. Okay. I'm gonna touch on the bullies. Okay. Um, so, well, let me talk about them first. Well. Really, my main thing is, I was shocked when he left them to die. Yeah, that's kind of dark. When he huh? left them in the cages. And one thing we talk about kind of a lot on Sleepover is, like, when villains get, like, aggressively disposed of, like, to the point where it's, like, more than it's even <laughs> called for. And the example we talk about the most, this is so stupid, but The Little Mermaid 2. Has anybody see seen that? Little they Mermaid 2, Journey to the Sea. Journey to the Sea. Return to the Sea. Return to the Sea. Return to the Sea. Yeah, we got... We, they, I mean, it is... They freeze her in a block of ice and let her sink to the bottom of the ocean. It's, it's like, dark. God. Like, that's like, just we were talking. We were like, can she not be, like, rehabilitated? She can't be rehabilitated. There's no room for restorative justice. It's like Ursula's sister. That's very optimistic. Yeah. And so yeah. I kind of felt the same way about the bullies. But I feel like it was a situation where, like, if we had watched to the end of the credits, there probably would have been a tiny scene of them, like, breaking out of the house. <laughs> like, oh, that was a close one. But I don't know there if that isn't. There But isn't. what do you have to say about them? I just felt they were unnecessary to the entire movie. I didn't think they needed to be in there. Yeah, because she, he's already opposed enough. Like, That's Max true. is already opposed He's enough already oppressed enough by this By world. Halloween. Yes. <laughs> Halloween is bringing him down enough. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's true. Um, but with the sisterhood thing, this is kind of what, like, if I'm nitpicking, and obviously I'm nitpicking, the thing that bothered me was that, like, it becomes about him wanting to, like, rescue his sister from being, like, abducted eventually but then like there's the whole thing about how the cat is like forever like in sadness and depression <laughs> because he couldn't save his sister from the witches yeah. and so there's this whole like sisterhood allegiance thing going on and I'm like you have these three interesting sisters right here let's that talk about those sisters like that could have been your sister's story yeah. like I don't get why it wasn't that but at the same time it's like obviously they wanted to make money off this somehow yeah and like having a, the main character be Max will bring a more varied audience like had yeah. it been the Bette Midler show yes I don't know yes it's I true um and I also really hated there were so many moments where like the witches would be like about to do something really like powerful and like really like mess with them. And he's like, no, you won't. I know how to beat you. And like, just like <laughs> says something stupid and then it actually works. Yeah. Like that was so frustrating to me every time I was like, I want these witches to be smarter and more powerful than him, but they aren't, which is so yeah, annoying. I think this like has the issue of like, I'm rooting for the wrong people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I kind of want the witches to win. Yeah, well, that's probably why it's a cult classic though, is that it's like so obvious, like, like the interpretation of it that's not what the creators want you to do is like so obvious. Yeah. I feel like that's got to be And And I'm it. wondering, like Hocus Pocus 2, are we going to like do this plot um, I 2.0? I believe that that is what it is. Oh no. But it's I like, wanted them to right their wrongs a little bit. Like, I know. Let's, I think it's girls this time though, instead of Max and his sister. I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm positive it will be. Yeah. Um, so I guess I just am interested to see if this, well, like in a world where this movie would have been written by a woman or like directed by a woman, I would be interested to see how the story would have been a little bit different. Do you know if it is this time, the second one? I do not know for sure. I, I would 
put money on it. Well, Kenny Ortega is directing, and one of these oh. dudes from the beginning that I was talking about is producing. Oh, okay. So some All of right. the people are coming back. Yeah. We'll see. I'll allow it for Kenny I'm... Ortega. He's provided enough. <laughs> He's fed us enough over the years, yeah. I believe. So final thoughts. Is this movie worth watching in yeah. 2021? Absolutely. Yes. Of course. Of course. Sometimes of course. we honestly say no. Like last week, we, um, last week, or actually yesterday, what day is it? Friday? Yesterday. Yesterday, we released an episode on 2005's Rent. And like, in our opinion, that is one that you don't really need to rewatch. Yeah. For it, lots of reasons. <laughs> listen to the episode if you want to hear why. Yeah. Uh, but it, Whatever. Whatever. This, this, one, this one stands on its own. Yeah. It's really, really great. Um, and I know that for so many people, it's like such a wholesome source of holiday nostalgia and joy. And I got into it. I really liked it. Yeah. I wish that I had like more of a hill to die on with this one, mm-hmm. but it's so good. Yeah. Sometimes we'll be fighting, but today sometimes is not we one are of those, fighting. Today is not one of those days. No, we're in agreement. We're in agreement. Um, so anything yeah. else? I think we're all, I think we're all wrapped up at this point. Yeah. So Hocus Pocus, excellent choice. Absolutely rewatch. Yeah. Spooky season. You got to do it. Go home, watch it again. It's on Disney plus. You don't even have to find like a weird link. Like it's so accessible. Yeah. Sometimes that does happen. Yeah. The way we watched Sweeney Todd over the past two days has been suspect at most. Suspect. (laughs) We made it work. So, um, Thank you all for hanging out with us. This has been so fun. It's our first live episode we did it. So thank you all for being here. Um, And we hope you have a great rest of the conference. If you see us around, please come talk to us. And yeah, this has been fun. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks so much. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopingpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Search Sleepover Cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at twopingpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at Sleepover Cinema and that's really where the party is at. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share the episode with a few friends. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next and leave us a review if you like the show. And if you don't, don't. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, nextbestpicture.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.